Welcome to another episode of the Purple and Bold Podcast from the Daily News Record. I'm Shane Metlin, flying solo this week on a episode recapping some JMU football, looking ahead to the Dukes heading to Troy for the Sun Belt Championship game that never was last year. Uh, going to also dive into a little bit of other sports, soccer, volleyball, a lot going on around JMU right now. Um, and we'll talk about a little bit of everything. Let's just jump right into it. There are only a handful of games across the entire NCAA this week involving top 10 teams in any sport. And one of those is happening in Harrisonburg on Saturday. It's <clears throat> number two, Marshall. This is number nine, James Madison. Men's soccer. Two Sunbelt Conference soccer games are top 10 matchups this weekend. Uh, pretty unbelievable to think about. JMU soccer, 4-0-2 on the season. A uh, miraculous way to salvage a tie against Virginia, who's ranked in some of the polls. Um, with a goal in the last um, six seconds for the Dukes to... Um, they trade much the entire way, one nothing. They, you know, one one, in the, the very as late as you can possibly do it in a uh, in a soccer match, and the Dukes break the hearts of the Cavaliers for the second time in less than a week. This time on a soccer, it sets up. <clears throat> it has potential to become a huge rivalry in men's soccer. JMU can hold up there into the bargain we have so far this year. Um, in terms of getting back into the national rankings and everything after a couple of relative down years for the Dukes on the pitch. Um, but Marshall has a recent national championship. They've been consistently ranked in the top 10, top 5 uh, the several years. Um, Jamie's played Marshall multiple times. They were playing Marshall <clears throat> relatively regularly even before, um, even before both teams joined the Sun Belt. Uh, now they're in the Sun Belt. They're part of you know this extremely deep Sun Belt men's soccer conference, and um, they've had some good matches. They've had some lopsided matches as well. But last year, um, the Dukes knocked off Marshall in the um, Sun Belt conference semifinals, handed Marshall a rare loss. Um, that got JMU into the Sun Belt Championship game. And that's really, you go back to last season, the end of last season, and, you know, the first part of this season. And there are few teams in the country who have been playing as well as JMU going back really to last October um, and off to a great start. That's going to be a very exciting thing happening at Centera Park on Saturday. The unfortunate aspect of that is that it overlaps with the JMU football game at Troy. I don't know how many Dukes fans are going to be paying attention to it as they might have if this is happening, you know, like on a uh, Thursday night or, you know, a Sunday afternoon or, you know, something that give and JMU a better chance to, you know, bring out a big crowd, uh, do some things. Uh, a little bit of unfortunate timing there as far as that goes. Uh, volleyball. Also, you know, I talked about the number of top 10 matchups that are happening across all of NCAA sports. One of those this weekend is Pitt versus Oregon in volleyball up in Pittsburgh. That's going to be, you know, a top 10 matchup. 
that's over a three-day event in Pittsburgh. The other two days, JMU is playing Pitt and Oregon. So it's a, you know, it's a round robin type of deal up there, and um, you know, two top ten teams involved. JMU volleyball team is also off to a great start. They are, um, you know, knocking on the door of potentially being ranked if they can get a win against one of those two this weekend. I think they would definitely crack the top twenty-five if you go back to um, them sweeping Western Kentucky uh, not long ago. Um, Western Kentucky was in the top 25 at the time, and they're still getting more top 25 votes than JMU. <clears throat> but this is a really good JMU volleyball team that has not even been completely healthy yet this year. Um, Caroline Dozier, um, just a really fantastic setter who's you know a senior, very experienced all-conference player, um, has not played yet this year. And in her place, freshman Rebecca Watkins has just been absolutely incredible. Um, they've never really had the full front line available to them. Uh, you know, Bree Reed is a very, very good sophomore who hasn't played, who didn't play the fir- much the first week or two of the season. Um, she comes back, and then another freshman, uh, Olivia Vance, uh, has not played as much since Bree has come back. Um, those are both very capable um, younger players, along with you know the experienced people in the front line. You know Sophie Davis and Miat Veldman um, are both former Conference Player of the Year um, for JMU. So it's a very very deep JMU roster that we haven't even seen the best of yet um, all at once, and that's going to be pretty pretty interesting if they could. Um, if they could manage to just pull out one victory over Pitt or Oregon this week, I mean, then at that point they've, you know, come very close to locking up an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament if they, um, if they dominate the Sun Belt the way they did last year. And there's, you know, little reason to think that they wouldn't um, with what they bring back. Um, you know, Texas State's very good. I mean, we could be talking about two teams from the Sun Belt. Uh, getting into the state tournament because Texas State just missed out on the at-large bid last year when JMU got the auto bid from the Sun Belt. If he flip-flopped it um, <clears throat> with Texas State winning the conference tournament, JMU potentially could have gotten in. Um, but the Sun Belt was very close to being a two-team volleyball league and could be even closer because there's better non-conference wins so far. And JMU could really do themselves and the Sun Belt a favor if they could pull off one this week. It's going to be tough, though. Those are really, really good teams. Another really, really good team, though, is the Troy Trojans on the football field. Um, Troy is the defending, the reigning, however you want to say it, Sun Belt Conference champions. And, you know, they lost some, they lost some people from last year, which is – you know, a tough situation for them. Uh, they've played without a couple of their best players, but Kurt Signetti says he fully expects Mr. TJ Jackson to be back um, this this week. Um, a really, really, really tough pass rusher for the Trojans who had 14 and a half tackles for a loss last year, eight sacks, um, two fumble recoveries. He was one of only, like, I think was eight to I think maybe 16 players in the uh, 
country last year who had those stats. Um, just a really good guy who could make a big difference for Troy this year as JMU tries to continue to light it up offensively. As JMU's got a streak of you know scoring 35 points going uh, one of the longest streaks in the country of doing that. But Troy, we talk about you know JMU's streak of 35 points or more um, dating back to last year. Um, Troy, in 2022, Troy gave up more than 30 points once. They did not give up more than 32 points the entire season. They gave up an average of 17 points a game. They're giving up an average of um, 35 points a game so far this year. Um, It's looking like a different Troy defense, although we are talking about a small sample size where um, Stephen F. Austin put up some points late against the Trojans. uh, As their head coach, John Summerall, pointed out, you know, may this final score may not have been indicative of how much they controlled the game, especially uh, ones and twos versus ones and twos for uh, Stephen F. Austin. Um, and then they play a very good Kansas State team last week on the road in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, Give up 42 points in that one. Um, perhaps neither game is completely indicative of what they might, what we might see from Troy in a conference showdown, but. The Troy defense may be motivated to show that they are still the same kind of defense that they had last year, um, which really kind of, you know, shut down things. And, um, you know, Troy also last year, they start off the conference play last year with a heartbreaking loss in week three at Appalachian State. Then they go on to run the table from there. Um, to finish 12-2. and two. Um, Pretty incredible output for Troy in that regard. But you have to think they're probably looking back a little bit as far as, you know, week three being, I guess, the tripping point for them last year, that, you know, starting off conference play um, on a down note and, and wanting to get off to a better start this year against the Dukes, who, you know, we can get into the um, – the mindset of this game a little bit more um, soon, but it's uh, it's going back to last year. It's sort of been billed a little bit as the de facto Sun Belt Championship game because both of these teams finished on top of their divisions last season. Um, but JMU, of course, was not eligible or allowed to play in the Sun Belt Championship game. Uh, because of their first-year FBS transition status, that's likely going to also be the case this year if the Dukes continue to win and would happen to finish on top of the Sun Belt East again. Um, potential to go to a bowl game for JMU, depending on uh, if all the all the spots are filled. Don't have to completely rehash that right now. But it's it's a big game for both programs. Uh, both you know kind of want to sell themselves as the top team in this league right now uh both have kind of you know earned their spots of being recognized among the top teams in the Sun Belt and among the best in group of five really um so there's there's that much going into this one as far as you know just kind of you know the it's huge for the Sun Belt standings it's also huge I guess for a pride perspective when you're kind of trying to figure out where everyone stacks up especially amongst the Sun Belt and the group of five 
with that said, early on for JMU coming off a big victory against Virginia last week, early on in the week, Kurt Signetti not particularly pleased with the way his JMU Dukes came out and started practicing at the start of the week. Uh, we can take a listen to what he had to say in his Tuesday press conference about what he saw from JMU in their early practices. Well, you know, I mean, it takes special qualities to bounce back uh, from a game like this and play your A game uh, the next week. Um, it's not normal to want to be great or do the things you have to do to be great. You know, normal would be average, and the average person would have a letdown this week uh, against a really good football team on the road, who is favored also. Uh, I mean, you got to have uh, a special discipline, work ethic, focus, mindset uh, to separate yourself from average. And today at practice, we were average, and it was a below-average practice. There was no zip, there was no energy, there was no leadership. Execution was not good enough. Uh, the scout team wasn't good enough, not giving us a good enough look. And you you feel like you're just holding the dam. You know what I mean? And uh, so a lot of things have to change uh, between now and tomorrow uh, when we go back into our meetings and practice again. Matthews called me and said, you make sure you tell him after we beat Virginia Tech, we lost. Well, I didn't really need him to tell me that because I've been around long enough. And I've been down the road before. So, but what you got to do to get this thing where you want, you got to get more guys that are over here right now, over here, and then pull more over there. We're not there. So, again, that was Kurt Signetti on Tuesday talking about uh, what he saw from JMU in their first practices, uh, really getting more and more animated as he discussed uh, what was wrong across the board, calling out basically every every aspect, every unit um, on the team uh, for not bringing it early in practices. And I think it was maybe a focus type of deal, too. Um, it's interesting. The first thing I thought of sitting there listening to that was two years ago as Jamie was heading into a FCS playoff game. This was happening. So Tuesday, this was a press conference inside the uh, Plecker uh, Academic Performance Center um, and indoors, kind of a, a more formal press conference setting being recorded on video and then put out on all JMU's platforms and everything in addition to uh, the press being there to ask questions. Two years ago, heading into a um, FCS playoff game, it was a little less formal situation. Um, at that point, JMU would uh, bring the reporters in and talk, and he would talk on the field after practice. And yeah, like a little less formal setting. Um, and so we were seeing the end of practice that day um, before, I, th- I believe it was Southeastern Louisiana game um, in their last FCS season. Uh, but the playoffs were beginning to start. Um, and and Signetti clearly didn't like the focus they brought 
to that practice early in the week. And he laid into them on the field with us standing there. Um, really let them have it as far as, you know, what they were doing practice wise. And then turned around as he was walking off the field and winked at us. <laughs> um, the reporters kind of standing there, um, you know, and, and it was, it was a funny, I guess, uh, situation. He, he clearly was making a point, um, even though he thought his team was probably going to like be able to, you know, cruise in that game, which they did. Um, he, he, he was making a point that the focus had to be there regardless. Different vibe from this one on Tuesday. I feel like the, the emotion and the anger and how he kind of got ramped up more and more as that um, went on. The players weren't in the room to hear it and benefit from it. I'm sure they've heard it at this point. Um, and I think, you know, he was kind of talking indirectly to the players as much as he was to the media and to the fans um, at that point. But it was a different vibe in that, like, you know, it just felt, like, very genuine. And he got ramped up and more and more um, animated about the way he talked about not getting what he wanted from this team out of at practice um, and what it takes to win and to bounce back from a, a victory like they had Saturday at Virginia, which was very emotional, lots of highs and lows in that one. And he prides this team on keeping an even keel and giving the same kind of efforts regardless of, you know, whether you're behind in the fourth quarter or beating a team badly or coming off a historic program victory or, or what. And he almost immediately mentioned too, after the Virginia victory that last season, when they cracked the top 25 for the first time, they go to Georgia Southern and they play, Probably like one of their worst games of the season against Georgia Southern are defeated by the Eagles down there in Statesboro. Um, that turns into, you know, a short-lived stay in the top 25. It didn't diminish that it was a very successful first FBS season for JMU, but you kind of got to wonder what it what it could have been had they um, had they taken care of business at Georgia Southern. And were able to stay in the top 25 for another week or two, um, you know, really get things going along those lines. Um, there are other factors involved probably, but when it came to pass defense, things like that, it definitely wasn't Jamie's best performance. And maybe the focus wasn't entirely there with all the accolades and everything they got that week. Signetti clearly picking up a similar vibe following JMU beating UVA, the the Power Five in-state program. Even though JMU was favored, you know, they've heard nothing but good things about themselves since Saturday. And, you know, trying to kind of, you know, respond to that is, you know, the psychological aspect of coaching. And, you know, I think it was a, definitely a mix of Signetti intentionally trying to send a message through the media and through what was going to get posted on uh, social media this week and getting it done early so that they could respond and have better practices and better preparation in the meantime before they travel to Troy. But it also, like I said, 
felt cert- certainly more genuine than uh, kind of a similar effort on Signetti's part a couple years ago in a game that I think he knew Jamie was going to win even if they didn't bring their A game. And he he mentioned that they you know, probably didn't bring their A game sat- last Saturday against – he called it the C-plus game last Saturday against – uh, UVA and you know JMU certainly didn't execute great at times. They didn't tackle great at times. Uh, there were some you know missed assignments and pass coverage. Um, Jordan McLeod, while putting up great stats, could have put up even better stats. Uh, missing a few throws, um, you know, wasn't Kalon Black's best game. Although I think that maybe had something to do with uh, the scouting report and. And Virginia definitely trying to make a focus on not letting him beat them. Uh, Tyson Lawton ends up coming in late in the game and making some good runs for the Dukes and kind of, you know, balancing that out. And I think that's what we're going to see from the running backs throughout the season is, you know, maybe one guy's day um, as they've got a good stable with at least three very capable running backs. Now that's not even counting guys like uh, Wayne Knight, Sammy Malinagi, who I think – could do well enough if uh, forced into that role. But right now, um, even after losing Solomon Van Horst, you've got three very experienced, very good running backs, and you'll see a different I, – I expect to see, like, different guys have big games um, off and on for Jamie when it comes to the running back group. Although Tyson Lawton, when healthy, even going back to the spring, seems to be very, very consistent – back for the Dukes um but you know getting that's getting off course a little bit as far as like I was talking about Signetti and the mental aspect of this and trying to rebound and the Dukes needing to play their a game against a very good Troy team that also will be quite fired up for this one they're getting back home after a loss I think they're expecting a good crowd uh for for Troy in Troy for this JMU game. I thought it was interesting too. I saw um, a promotion for tickets. They were selling some tickets like dirt cheap for this one and for their next game after this against Western Kentucky. But I did find it interesting that those very, very cheap tickets that they were selling, they were still selling the JMU ones for five times as much. It was $5 for some, uh, you know, tickets they were trying to, you know, I think finish this out and probably have possibly have a sellout for JMU. Um, I think they're trying to get rid of some of the, you know, the, the last least desirable seats in that stadium, um, selling them for $5 for JMU. They're selling them for a dollar each against Western Kentucky. So, you know, maybe JMU should take some pride in that. Uh, they appear to be a good draw for, um, for these Sunbelt teams. Um, they've had played against some, you know, very, very fun, uh, energetic and full crowds as they've gone on the road. Uh, in the Sun Belt, you know, you can take back the, the the Georgia Southern game we've already discussed, the App State game. Um, I expect it to be just an incredible atmosphere when Jamie goes to Marshall later this year, and it sounds like it's going to be a similar one in Troy. Um, although for JMU, probably worth noting that you know they had 
almost home field advantage in Charlottesville at times last week will not be the case this week. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be much difficult, much more difficult for um, a good number of uh, JMU fans to travel. Um, I do know of at least one JMU fan who uh, lives in Alabama who will probably uh, make that trip over there. Um, you know, maybe some alumni in Atlanta um, might want to do that. Um, alumni scattered around the South. But it won't be the same uh, level of, you know, upwards of 15,000 JMU fans were in Charlottesville last week, and they made a lot of noise at times. Um, you know, they disrupted JMU, or they disrupted um, UVA on third downs at times in the fourth quarter after the lightning delay when not as many UVA fans came back. Um, it was certainly a factor, and this is going to be a true road game for the Dukes this time around their first challenge of that nature this season. A lot, just a lot of this is hearkening back to first of their kind challenges for this group in particular. It's their first opportunity to, you know, really handle the success that they've had. It's their first opportunity to play on the road. It's their first opportunity to show that they are one of the better teams in the Sun Belt in a conference game against the defending champs. And, you know, whether or not that, um, thinking back to last year, the whole Kings of the East thing, uh, they they topped Coastal to win the division but didn't play in the, in the championship game. I think that's something that's been talked about. The players said it's something that's been talked about. They something they looked forward to when they saw Troy was going to be on the schedule this year. But I don't know how much that necessarily factors in once you get to this week. And there's, you know, there's a lot of other things to like think about. It's like, how are you going to stop T.J. Jackson from getting to Jordan McLeod? How are you going to slow down Kamani Vidal? Who I you know, I talked about the JMU soccer team. If you go back to October, how much they've been on fire. Uh, you know, Vidal is the JMU soccer of Sunbelt running backs because he's been incredible since the second half of last season. Uh, still doing it, having, you know, putting up big numbers so far this season. Just a really tough, but also quick and shifty back that the Dukes, the running run defense has been outstanding. It was very, very good against Virginia last week. But this may be one of their bigger challenges when it comes to shutting down the run game. If they can, I, I'm i sure JMU would love to be in a situation where they're just basically saying, okay, Gunnar Watson, I know you're an experienced quarterback, but you haven't thrown for a ton, ton of yards. You're more maybe – more of a game manager to some degree. I, I think Jamie would love to be in a situation where they shut down the run and they're basically saying, okay, Gunnar Watson, prove you can beat us. We'll try to prove that last week's pass defense was not typical of what we're going to be. Um, I think I think that's the kind of game Jamie would like to get into. Um, you know, considering they had a quarterback play an incredible game last week, and they still were able to kind of uh, sneak by against the Virginia team that Anthony Calandria throws for you know close to 400 yards in his first start. I think Jamie would like to see Troy try to replicate that because I 
I feel like GMU has several small things they could do to really cut down on the damage that is done in the passing game. And we'll probably see those this week. Hard to hard to come up with a, a solid prediction, but I just kind of feel like Signetti feeling hit sending his message early in the week probably got through. And like I said, when you look at what went wrong at Virginia, uh, there were some blown assignments and, you know, misreads and things when it came to defense that I think another week of practice, another week of film study probably cleans up a lot of that. And if JMU gets to kind of run defense, we become accustomed to uh, not let not let a running back go wild on them, not let Troy control time of possessions. I think JMU has a pretty solid chance in this one, maybe more than I thought coming into the season uh, based on what both JMU and Troy have done so far. I, I'm leaning towards picking JMU in this one. They are a two, two-and-a-half-point underdog on the road. I'm thinking this could really be like, you know, a 28-21 JMU victory. If the Dukes do what I I think they're capable of this week um, and we get another Jordan McLeod performance where he doesn't make too many mistakes and, you know, really kind of, you know, keeps the offense moving for the most part. So that's that's my prediction for this one. Uh, we'll definitely be uh, interested to see what happens. I will try to record something, a uh, quick recap here. Following that game, uh, if you do like listening to those recaps, uh, let me know. I'll keep doing those. Uh, they seem to be getting a good number of clicks. And uh, like I like uh, breaking that down quickly and giving the, the audio and the uh, writing aspects of the post game. It's been fun to do. It's been fun to continue to do the Purple and Bold podcast. From the Daily News Record, once again, I'm Shane Metlin. You've been listening to me discuss JMU sports as we do each week. And thank you for tuning in.